Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming to you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, today we have the incredible Dana Shorts. And I say incredible because she does a fuck ton. And when we recorded this episode, it's a little while back, she was two weeks away from graduating college. So we were actually in the same city at the time. She's now a, a college grad. But, like, so accomplished for so young. She, I mean, her writing has been on BuzzFeed. She writes for Mental Floss. I mean, just literally, I think two days ago, uh, before Orange is the New Black came out, I just saw something on BuzzFeed. Someone posted on Facebook, like, something about Orange is the New Black, of, uh, like, catching up on all the characters while they're in jail or something like that. And I look at the thing, and it was, like, Dana Shorts, community member. I'm like, holy shit. I just had her on the podcast, like, a month ago. This is ridiculous. Uh, she's so fucking cool, so nice, so funny, so smart. One of the best conversations I think we've ever had on the show. It was like I we just started talking and an hour and a half went by. I it was so fucking fun. It was it's what I really that's my favorite part about doing the podcast is having conversations like these and everything after that is gravy. All the downloads, whoever comes out when I can just meet someone and we just connect and talk about something and just an hour and a half of my life can go by without even noticing, then I'm the happiest. And that's what happened in this episode. Dana, like so many other people I've been getting on the show, which makes me so happy, has so many things to promote. So go to DanaSchwartz.com.com. So it's DanaSchwartz, D-O-T-C-O-M.com. Follow her on Twitter. Uh, if you're not a big Twitter user, I, and you might think it's kind of stupid, and like, what do kids do? How do you make a career with social media? Dana's the one doing it. She has her personal Twitter, very funny, at DanaSchwartz. But then she got like some recognition. I think she even got. I believe she got an agent out of this. She started a Twitter account called Guy in Your MFA at Guy in Your MFA, which we talk a lot about on there. I want to read you one of those tweets because you wouldn't believe how deep and funny 140 characters could be. All right, so this is the last. From when I'm looking at this right now, the last tweet she had done was. His relationship with his mother was best understood through the way she ordered her iced tea, unsweetened extra ice. And then she's also made another Twitter parody account called Dystopian YA Novel, like kind of a parody of uh, Hunger Games, Divergent, those types of books, which we talk about in the episode how she's actually a big fan of, which I think is really cool. Uh, Dana's done so many cool things. She's written, interviewed Josh Whedon, interned at Conan, which, if you listen to this, you know I'm a huge Conan fan. Her story of how she comes into comedy, I think, is just fascinating of going... I think she went to school for, like, public policy, and then yada, yada, yada. She ends up going to want to do comedy. Listen to the episode. She tells her story better than I ever could. And on top of all these amazing things Dana does, she is a co-founder of The Grange. TheGrangeColony.org. You need to check it out. It is a new writer's colony for young women. We talk about it in depth. Uh, they will be having a Kickstarter going up soon, and she'll talk about like sec we talk about uh, sexism within literature, comedy, the world overall, and uh, like is a way to help young women break into the literary world and comedy world and write and help. It's it's incredible. I'm not explaining it as well as I should. You should go to thegrangecolony.org. Also check out Dana Shorts. Uh, Twitter, Tumblr, all over the internet, but her her website, danashorts.com.com, has everything you need, and she's fucking awesome. Dana, she'll be back as a guest, and I can't wait for that. 
Um, so go online, follow her everywhere. And uh, also, let me just do a quick plug for myself before the show starts. Find Let's Chat Podcast anywhere uh, you find a podcast. Also, Let's Chat is on the Misfits Network, themisfitsnetwork.com. It is incredible. They're also on SoundCloud now. Follow us on Twitter at Let's Chat Podcast. There is a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Let's Chat. Uh, let's get to it. I've never been so excited to hear another human's voice before. <laughs> it's like we're, we're probing outer space. Yep. Sleeping for alien technology. To me, it wasn't what an incredible coincidence that we found each other on the airwaves. I, the, the very airwaves we were searching for each other on. <laughs> it, it's um. I always feel weird when I start like cursing at Skype because it's like when I was younger, I watched like the Jetsons, and that's totally like, what Skype is. I'm like, damn this free video conference service that I've never paid a dime for. Why are you fucking up on me? <laughs> yeah, it's basically like the. Uh... Did you ever see the Aziz Ansari special where he talks about the Gmail where he like got really mad and he's like, I know it's a free service, but I feel so angry every time Gmail fucks up. I I, I didn't watch it. I actually I think I went to that tour that out that one. Which one is it? It's not, not the garden, that's the d- something delicious. Oh, dangerously delicious, yeah. Yeah, I went I well when I saw him perform, he um I saw him do that and oh my god. Um Oh my god. Um well thank you for doing this. I'm I'm very excited. Uh uh what is I was gonna say? Um I actually was following you on Twitter for a while and I always want I I have like this like made up list in my head of people to ask, but I just can't ma- manage asking like more than one like two people at a time. Hmm. So but you were someone I've been wanting to ask for a while, so I was actually really happy when you said yes. Well thank you so yeah. much. I'm Dana. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Or I mean Nice, nice to meet you. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. Skype me. It's funny because we're actually in. Are you? You're in Providence right now as well. Yeah, I'm on Angel Street. Oh God. Oh really? Yeah. I love your street. It's it's very nice. I uh, my friend Nate works at that Starbucks. I am at that Starbucks all the time. Oh. oh. Is your friend Nate the one who looks like Paul Giamatti? Yeah. How did you know? Wait, really? Yeah. He's just the one who always gives me coffee, and I always tell him he looks like Paul Giamatti. He's been on this podcast like four times. No way! If I you have s- to... see him blow his mind, uh, yeah, he's been on a bunch, and he's got—he's actually my go-to guest host. And I was going to ask him tonight, and then I think he was working or he was busy because sometimes I like bring guest host, and he's one of my good buds. I just had met, actually I met him through doing the show, and then we like go out to dinner all the time. He's so fucking nice. Okay, that's so funny. I'll have to tell him tomorrow morning over my coffee. Blow his mind <laughs> and be like, I know all your personal secrets. Because, like, a long time ago before uh, we did an episode where, like, we both talked about, like, going to therapy and depression and, like, heavy shit. So you should just walk in and be like, I know everything about you. Let's chat. And then walk away. <laughs> Great. That's that's just what I want to do. Freak out my barista right as he's about to make me a drink that he could so easily spit into. Oh, I worked at I worked at Starbucks. It's hard to spin people's drinks, but you can get decaf very easily. See, I can't. I wouldn't be able to handle that. Yeah, that's true. All right, be nice to Nate. Oh my, that's just so funny that you know. I love Nate. He's he's so nice. That's he's probably of... the only one. I was like, oh, Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he, he so... totally does. Like, huh. uh, do you ever go to Red Stripe? Yeah, like that's my go-to. Like when my parents are paying. Yep, that's exactly what it is. It's <laughs> it's my I think. 
Actually, I haven't been in a long time because every time I try to go, it's like you can't get a table anymore, which is good for Red Stripe, but bad for me because I love it so much. Yeah, well, it is a it is a nice place. I'm a fan. It's my favorite place ever. Um, oh, yeah, there's no real structure either, so feel free to like derail the conversation more than I actually probably will. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's basically it. Starbucks and Red Stripe are are my life. Yeah, so yeah, because that's a, Providence is a really tiny city, so like you don't need to go very far, especially like the east side. Like you're, yeah. Why would you ever leave Angel Street? Like everything in Wayland Square, everything's right there. Yeah, living off campus has been a revelation. Oh yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I man, the east side. I live on the opposite side of the east side. I'm on the west side. The, oh yeah. Um, I think it's like the age. I think someone, t- one of my friends, told me that if Providence was New York. Like I live in the Armory, so I think this would be like <laughs> the green point of uh, <laughs> because it's like aged hipsters. Yeah, very very hip. Yeah, but it's but like Broadway is like real young hipsters, and then we're like one neighborhood over where it's like all the I'm everyone's like the hipsters with kids live where I am. And what I guess since Brown has to be the uh, the Upper West Side then. Yeah, I would imagine that's Woody Allen's. Yeah. Oh, what well, God, he was here filming. Was he? Were you? Was was school going on when that happened? I do not remember. I was not. I never saw him. Oh. I wish I had. Yeah, he filmed a lot. The whole new his new movie's coming out. They filmed it entirely in Rhode Island. Uh, so I live really close to Louis Fuller's, and I was going to work one day, and I saw Emma Stone coming out of her trailer because they parked oh, the trailers. Oh gosh! And then another day, I got stuck in traffic and saw before I knew it was happening. This is. I said this out of order. I saw this old little crotchety man directing something at Classic Cafe, and I was like, what the fuck? And then later on, I found out it was Woody Allen, <laughs> who course, I don't you're... like, but, you know, it's cool. Yeah, no, he's just a, a shriveled old pedophile who's really talented. I was going to say pedophile, too, and I'm, I'm yeah. not hip to pedophilia. I don't know why that's such a big stance to take in this country, but I'm not okay with it. Yeah, I'm I'm anti. I will be willing to say it. I'm willing to take a stand. Anti pedophilia. I'm glad we're anti. If, you, if you're pro pedophilia, we'd have to end the. Well, actually, I'd kind of want to learn more about that. Oh, you'd be so curious. You'd be like, what what sort of 22 year old girl has that opinion? It's just because I read Lolita and it really connected with me on a <laughs> yeah. spiritual level. Can you be a pedophile at 22? Yeah, you can. Okay, let's. I should cut that out, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. Yes. I uh, hook up with a freshman. I think yes. that counts. I think that's what the whole movie is about. Like, Joaquin Phoenix is hooking up with the young Emma Stone. I'll probably watch it because they filmed it, like, in, in like, here, and that's that's all I know about it. They filmed yeah. something at Coffee Connection. I don't know if you've ever been there. Yeah, I, I love Wicked. it. Yeah, Wicked In. That was, like, a thing. That's the creepy thing about Woody Allen. He gets older, but his leading ladies always stay the same age. Yeah. Yeah, it's because he's a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just, you can be talented, but also creepy. I mean, aren't the best artists? Well, no. No, they're not. I actually wrote my college admission essay on... Did you ever read Ender's Game? No, my friend Bo is obsessed with it, but isn't the guy hate the gays? Yeah, so I loved that book and, like, really connected with the main character and, like, you know, like, felt connected to the entire book on a visceral level. And then I found out what a terrible, terrible human being Orson Scott Card, the author, was. And so I wrote... Yeah, I wrote about that for my college essay about like how disappointing that moment was. Well, can you? It's yeah, because it's, it's not the old the age old question. Can you can disconnect from like an artist from their work? Like that's the like Michael Jackson. Like I fucking love Michael Jackson's music. I'm sorry I said it, but like I also don't like that he's probably a pedophile. 
Yeah, no, I, you know, I almost think he's just closer to like a harmless asexual. Like, I think he's so fucked up. That yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He's not even like he's just like so messed up that the word pedophile doesn't even like accurately describe what category he falls into. No one ever said no to him. Exactly. Yeah. Since yeah. he was like six. So I work for like a behavioral health company, so now I'm like more empathetic towards it. I'm like, he's just very sick. He just doesn't get it. But definitely narcissistic. No oh, question yeah. about it. I just think he has so many, he had so many psychological issues that, like, pedophile is just too easy of an explanation. Yeah, that's like, fair. He wanted just, like, a kid to, like, cuddle in his bed with him in, like, a creepy way. Because I think he actually thought he was a child, you know? Yeah, I mean, that was the whole, like, Neverland, Peter Pan thing, right? Yeah. But, but um, I don't know, there was another thing, like, there was a band called Screech and Weasels that... I was never super into, but they were really big in, like, the punk world. But then, like, recent, maybe within a year or two, the singer, like, punched a girl in the face on stage. So it's, like, oh. the Screech and Weasels conundrum. Like, you love this band for all these years, and then he's a misogynist who assaults women. So you're, like, uh... Not good. Isn't... I didn't watch that big boxing match, but didn't one of those dudes beat, like, five women? Oh, yeah. Apparently the guy who won is, like, a, a woman beater, just, like, a terrible human being. Like, At the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that's that's the most sports talk that that's ever happened on here. Yeah, I'm not super into sports, but I am usually aware of celebrities who happen to be pieces of shit. Yeah, were you at Brown when Emma Watson was there? Uh, I was technically for her, too, but she took like she was like a, a student in that she like took independent studies and like semesters off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, we we did overlap, but we didn't actually overlap on campus. Yeah, I had a friend who, like, had classes with her, and I'm kind of oblivious sometimes with celebrities. So I, a, a while back, I used to work in um, the Starbucks and the Biltmore Hotel. Oh, like, yeah. Like, that was, like, my side gig because I had, like, a job job, and I was just I, – I moved here from Connecticut, and I was just, and then I was able to transfer jobs. I was like, all right, I'm not going to turn down two jobs. I don't know. Unimportant. So, like, one time I'm working, and, like – this bald English girl comes in and asks for like a milk and cookie and like literally oh a milk God. and warmed up cookie. I was like, sure. Uh, and like, we talked for like a while and then someone's like, she, this happened a bunch there. Like celebrities would come in and I would talk to them and have no idea who they are. Cause I'm just, <laughs> and then someone's like, do you have any idea what the fuck that was? Like, no, they're like, that's Emma Watson from Harry Potter. And I, I don't like Harry. I never saw Harry Potter. I was like, what? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know who that is. And the I most surprising to- thing of this conversation is that you don't, have never seen Harry Potter. Well, that, well, I went home and told my now my, my now wife, my girlfriend at the time, and she fucking yelled at me because she's obsessed with Harry Potter to the point <laughs> where it's annoying. Yeah. So yeah, but she so seemed I, she seemed nice. I was um I was in L.A. over the summer, and there were just so many beautiful people just walking around that I just sort of assumed everyone that everyone that everyone was famous or like the star of like a TNT drama that I've never seen before. You know, there's a lot of them, apparently. Yeah, I just every good looking person. I was like, you probably are famous and I just don't know who you are. I mean, I'm not going to be a creep. I, I know why you were in L.A. I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. No, you um, I, I worked at Conan. Yeah, great. actually, that's not really creepy. It's on your website. That it you, is completely very, public very publicly readily available. <laughs> yeah, that is a, a thing on my resume that I advertised because it was my my last place of employment. And it's fucking cool, but um, I want to get to that. But like, so you're you're from Chicago area? I am. I'm from the north suburbs, Highland Park. So every like punk band ever in one point in my life is from Chicago. 
was like that... fallout boy is yeah, from my that... neighborhood oh, yeah that's when that's you said like fallout boy and like rise against aren't they from like that area yeah rise rise against is a little farther from me but fallout boy is like literally from my like town oh my god and, yeah. and they're like the biggest band to come out of that like scene and then some <laughs> yeah, I mean Chicago's a good band scene, but they are the the nice Jewish suburban boys who made it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then they made it, and then then and then some. But um, yeah, yeah, they they're good in good like, shape. So you're growing up near Chicago, like so. Like, was the comedy like big in the family for you guys? Not at all. I comedy has been a very new venture for me. I was pre med up until about a year and a half ago, maybe a full year ago. Uh, Oh, when, wow. Yeah, so I had only worked in labs before Conan, like 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 science labs, like immunology. Uh, I was at the Harvard Stem Cell Institute and the University of Chicago like doing research. I really thought I was going to go to med school. Uh, and then just the more I thought about it, the more panicked I became. And I realized like where I enjoyed myself the most was writing and listening to stand-up comedy, which I did all the time obsessively. Uh and sort of on a lucky whim, I applied to Conan. Got it by the grace of God. I have no idea how. Uh, and just was when I got there, I was like, yep, this is this is so much better. This is, you know, I, I say like round peg, round hole. Like this is way like I always sort of felt like an imposter in the pre-med world because all the other pre-meds at school were like, really obsessive and go-gettery and like really excited to be doctors. And I was just sort of like, I'm smart. I'm good at science. This is what I should be doing. But yeah, once I, once I found the comedy world and was like, this is something maybe I could do. It was like one of the biggest reliefs I've ever felt. And you were in college when you found this. Yeah, that was my, my junior year. Wow. So like, I mean, something cause I, I'm, I, I just assume I'm like, Oh, Chicago. I mean, second city, IO, like everything, comedy great is like starts in chicago but so you're you're developed in providence essentially yeah although more it's like i, I even had a hard time saying like in providence because i was like on campus i developed on the internet is really yeah, right I mean, like, that's let's get real i don't know <laughs> yeah. the comedy scene here to be quite honest I've i went to one open mic uh like we, a week or two ago we have open mics yeah so i i needed a video someone asked me for a video i needed to do it of me doing com stand up and I had never really done stand-up before, but I kind of lied and said I had. I was like, oh, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> like a true uh, artist. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I always heard. heard. If someone in the entertainment industry asks if you can do something, you say yes and then figure it out afterward. Yeah. So I, I was figuring it out, and I went to an open mic, and it was in this bar basement in downtown Providence. Do you know what bar? Like, uh, the stand, the saloon, the the the, 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 the salon. They all sound real. I didn't. I just didn't know he had open mics. That's amazing. I feel like it I was, should be going to these things. Uh, before you, before you commit to that, I so I was. It was in this creepy basement with like exposed wires and like brick oh. walls, and <laughs> I was mind. the only girl there in the entire room. Oh, like not just the only girl performing, like the only girl there. Well, that's unsafe. I it felt a little bit like the world's most embarrassing gangbang. <laughs> like I was like, we should all just be really embarrassed that this is this is the, the atmosphere we've created here. It was yeah, I I did fine, but it was terrifying. Well, you already have a good uh, stand up story. It's true. Yeah, that could be my my first stand up was just like a, a terrifying 
experience. Almost gangbang. Your words. <laughs> it's true. It's a, a rape dungeon and a rape dungeon. And twenty five sweaty, drunk comedians and me. Like, it's not victim blame, but if it's called the Rape Dungeon, maybe you shouldn't have gone there. Yeah, well, obviously, since they, they did call their stand-up comedy the Rape Dungeon, which yeah. is probably poor poor marketing on their part. No wonder more <laughs> girls don't go. <laughs> or maybe the one that they're like, yeah, this will work. <laughs> they're so looking we, for a Wow, we just made rape jokes, and they were kind of funny. Go us. Did we? I, I love the school that you can, there's nothing you can't joke about as long as you're doing it for the right person. Like, Oh, it's just, I, I think it's like a level of skill, right? Like you want to make a rape joke, you can do it, but you have to be very skillful to get it right. Well, I think the joke has to be on the rapists and not empowering them. Like you have yeah. to be empowering the victim. I think, I do think comedy has a responsibility to be more than just like funny. Like people laugh at anything. People laugh at farts and poop well, jokes. That's because they're hilarious. They are. Uh, like, I went to the Oddball Comedy Fest this year, and oh, yeah. um, when it was a man, you know, they, they say it's Boston, but it's outside Providence, and uh, Amy Schumer made, like, and Sarah Silverman were making, like, the funniest rape jokes I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, I mean, oh, Louis C.K. headlined, and I thought Amy Schumer was the funniest one there. Amy Schumer is she, incredible. She might be a golden god. I'm not sure. Did you see her 12 Angry Men bit? Yeah, it's not even... You know what, though? I have... The thing about her is the same thing I have with Key and Peele, where I actually don't even... Like, I, I watch it, and then I kind of get angry. I'm like, I could never even come close to think of something that brilliant. Yeah. I While I was watching her her 12 Angry Men, I was just like, this can't get any better. This can't get any better. Oh, and wait, then it just kept getting better. It lived up to all of my hopes, dreams, and expectations. It was the best bit of television I've ever seen, maybe. She's amazing. She's... It's... I love this. Like I'm, I'm kind of like you, where like comedy is like a newer thing for me. Like I was super into music when I was younger. Then I kind of lost it, lost it, and then life happens. And then I got really into like comedy podcasts. And now I've and it's just taken over my life of being obsessed with the comedy. It's all through po- comedy podcasts. It's just turned me on to everything. I love them so much. <laughs> well, that's great. It's yeah, it's to... been great. And like, um, we have the Columbus Theater in Providence, which is on like the west side. Yeah. And they have some pretty good alt scene, uh, comics. I've got to go there, and it's been a ton of fun. I went to uh, Dimitri Martin at a at a, a uh, auditorium downtown. He was here? Yeah, he was really, really good. When was that? Earlier this year, maybe last semester. What? Was it at, like, a college? I didn't even know about that. It was at an auditorium, on the like, right by City Hall. I don't know what auditorium that's called. The PPAC? Probably, yeah, 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 yeah. Probably. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Good for him. Yeah, he's, he's good. Funny. Tim Barry is coming to the Met pretty soon. Really? I forgot when. I'm gonna go. And then, uh, Fat had. I saw Doug Benson there. I've seen uh, Eugene Merman and Kurt Braunholer at Columbus. That's great. I went to Kyle Kinane this uh, winter. Kyle Kinane is like a unique, brilliant. Yeah. And then one of the coolest stories I've had from – I went to go to the daily, the writers of The Daily Show to what? when it came to Providence. And the guy I ended up liking the most is named Matt Koff. And I just like – his comedy – his stand-up was just like spot on. And so I just asked him on Twitter if he would – I was like, oh, I saw you in Providence and I loved your set. would love to have you on sometime. And for some stupid reason, he said yes. So then I got to interview him and he's like – you could look it up. He's on there. But it was like – really fucking cool like because that's like the new world like you could see your favorite comedian and then just talk to them that's so cool actually yeah like i um 
Joss Whedon followed me on Twitter, which was the most unbelievable thing that's ever happened to me. Wow. And I asked him, I asked him if I could interview him, and he said yes. Yeah. So I interviewed him for Mental, for Mental Floss. Floss. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, that was creepy. I, I looked at your website. <laughs> That's not creepy at all. I yeah. I put articles on a website for a reason. <laughs> and people look at it. Yeah, no, I think that was so cool. Like, can you talk about that experience? Because JW, like, especially right now, he's like all in the news. He was just an incredibly kind, wonderful person, and like really thoughtful and like considerate and like willing to talk to me like a friend and a human being and not put on like airs. He just seemed like a, a brilliant human being who was just working on doing the best he could and making cool things. What was like, he making when you were talking to him? He was on a blissful vacation right after Ultron and thinking about ne early next projects, but was also enjoying the opportunity to not have an immediate project. Oh, so this is very recent. Yeah, this was a few weeks ago. Oh, wow. I don't know how that was not the first thing you said. Hi, I'm Dana, and Josh Whedon follows me on Twitter, and I interviewed him. <laughs> you kind of fucked up. I know. I, I have to work on something like more of an asshole, right? Yeah, you're too nice. It's not it's not going to work in comedy. <laughs> I'm, I still want to finish your uh, stand-up story, but that Josh Whedon, holy shit. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was great. And then, yeah, and then I, I emailed him, actually, and I was like, Oh, I have like a, actually a quick follow-up question, just expecting him to email me back. And he's like, sure, is now good? And he called me right again, and we talked for like 40 minutes. He was just like amazing and like really helpful and wonderful. And so you got to talk so – I have family members and friends that I've known for years, and if they did that, I wouldn't even call them. So a complete <laughs> – like, and Josh Whedon called you. Yeah, yeah. We just like – we just talked. It was amazing. You just, just buds. Great. Uh, no, but I wish. He did tell me that he had uh, bad dreams before the Ultron premiere. I saw the movie. Um, I thought I liked it, and then I thought I had a criticism for it, and I was on a guest on a podcast last night with uh, two self-proclaimed geeks, and I, who I <laughs> generally really like. They're very wonderful people, Adrian and Will. But um, they told me I was wrong, essentially. <laughs> so. Oh, well, well, yeah, that settles that then. What was your criticism? Oh, I just thought there wasn't enough like character development, and it was a little. And I and I was kind of like, I don't, I, I liked it, but I don't really know what happened. But then I guess it was more of like, and I also had not, I'm not like really into that stuff. Like I like the movies, but I didn't see all the, I didn't see all the movies. I never read the comics, so the, they were saying the movie was more for like the fans who saw the movies and read the comics and kind of already knew what was happening. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay, that makes more sense. So I actually haven't seen the movie yet. I'm seeing it this weekend. Um, but from what I've read and my expectations are like, it's a really difficult, big bloated sequel. Joss had like a, a difficult challenge ahead of him. I read that uh, he had a lot of issues. Marvel and him were not an eye to eye and everything. He didn't seem to sound like he had a ton of problems. I think it was just like, there's the difficulty of balancing all these characters and having yeah. trying to make it live up to the expectations of the first one. So sort of the way I'm going into it is like, this is a big, messy movie. Joss Whedon is a, a brilliant guy. It's not going to be perfect, but it's probably going to be fun. Oh, he made Firefly. He can never do any wrong in my eyes for the rest of his yeah. life. Yeah, Fireflies so. and Buffy. I'm a fan of both. Yeah, I sci-fi. The uh, first sci-fi thing I ever really liked is Firefly. I loved Firefly. So Although I think that's a good way to get your tip your if you want to dip your toe into sci-fi, say start with Firefly. Yeah, although Firefly did take me two tries to get really into. Oh, yeah? That happens the, sometimes. sometimes. The first time I was me. mad, the second time I started, I was like, 
I rallied through all the episodes and got through them like in an embarrassingly short period of time. That's a, oh, so uh, we eventually we were talking about something else. Uh, so you did stand up for the first time at a rapey bar. I did. It was terrifying. It, you did good. I did okay. Good enough to to videotape and send to the people who needed it. Are you gonna is stand up like something? Is that a priority of yours? Like you want to become a stand up as well? I would like to. I think I need to work on it. Uh, but it is something that I'm planning on working on. I'm a writer mainly. Is what I want to do and what I think I'm good at. But stand-up is really fun. I'm an attention addict is primarily what I do. <laughs> well, I mean, in these days, if you kind of want to do anything, don't you kind of have to do everything? Yeah, a little bit, right? Right? I mean, like, I mean, you know, any good writer is just a failed stand-up. Or not failed, but like a, a stand-up comedian who, you know. Exactly. And I don't mean that as an insult. I think that's incredible, you know? Like, you kind of got to do have your hands in all the pots. Or I feel like there's a metaphor I'm screwing up here. No, I totally, I get you. You're communicating it clearly. Yeah. Uh, but that, yeah, I'm like 22. It's it's time for me to mess things up. I mean, like, yeah. fail at something, right? Well, if you were pre-med, I'm guessing you must have been, like, I'm going to assume, like, the stereotypical pre-med person, and then you found comedy, and you're like, okay, I can relax and kind of fuck around a little. But I was not the stereotypical pre-med thing. That's, like, why it, it was the yeah. rock fit for me. I was, like... Never uptight. I'm, like, not the type that, like, studies for hours. I'm the type that's like, all right, I understand the gist of this. How bad can the test be? Like, I got the big picture, so I was moving on. Like, I am not a memorizer, which is probably why I would be a terrible doctor, because I, like, would not know the details of, like, chemical compounds and whatnot. <laughs> I was the type that just, like, sort of understood how everything worked and thought I, I could do well enough on the tests. That's And you're... Because everyone I've ever known who's been like a doctor usually doesn't have as much. They don't tend to have a whole lot of personality. I'm definitely more of a big picture than a memorizer kind of student. Yeah, that's amazing. Which was not good for the pre-med world. Like I did fine, but I was staring down at studying for the MCATs, and I was like, "This is just going to be so miserable." So, is your goal to make the career in comedy? Like the the I mean, this is this is the time to do it. This this is. I'm uh, writing. I'm going to start. I'm writing a book right now oh uh, yeah let's hear about that uh yeah promote I'm still, yourself i'm still in the outline phase this is premature promotion oh <laughs> we are uh, we'll, but yeah we'll learn I'm marketing with, together i guess that will be something that we can learn i'll be on the show again when i have a book to you promote. are already welcome back anytime you're, uh -oh. you're yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah thank you for for just glossing past the fact that i just invited myself back Oh, please. <laughs> that saves me half the trouble. No, I, that's my favorite thing is having people come back on who have come. That's, oh, yeah. Are you kidding? That's great. As long, well, as long as they're easy to talk to, because if it's some, sometimes it's like pulling information out of people, I'm like, eh, you know, I might not ask you again. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So I'm working on a book. I'm traveling after graduation, though, which I'm really excited about. Oh, where to? Just like bumming around Europe for a while. You should do stand up while you're in the UK. Really? Will they get my my Yankee sense of humor? No, but that's like the best way to become a stand-up is to suck at it for a while. Like that's what all the greats say, you know. All right, I'll take your advice. Like no, Pat no, and Oswald and all those people will always tell you, like, you, to, if you really want to be a stand-up, you have to just bomb a lot and be able to get up after you suck. And but think of all the cool stories you would have if you are trying to develop in a different country. That's true. Like you know, Although... just do open mics, you know. Get a tight three minutes and just be like, fuck it. I went to London and performed stand-up comedy. 
why the fuck not? Good call. I mean, as of now, my agenda's sort of like museums, bistros. Yeah, I went the other way with it. Yeah, I should I should open my mind to the other opportunities at hand. Thank you. You should do bistros and museums as well. Bistros, museums, and stand up. Yeah, well, I mean, you, there's always nighttime. Like, well, I mean, it, it, how long are you going to be overseas for? Probably all summer is the idea. Oh, yeah, then you will. Because if you travel anywhere, like anywhere you go. Like, so I went to Italy in November, and it was incredible. Like, I went to Florence, and the greatest oh, place. Oh, I have to go there. Yeah, you, you do. it's amazing, right? Everyone, and, and no one, but by like day three, I'm still going to sit in that beautiful ancient statue park by the, in the Plaza Vecchio by like the Uffizi and play on my cell phone because you just get used to it by day three. So if you're there all summer, like, but then you start to kind of feel more like a resident than you do an actual tourist. So yeah. like, yeah, if you're there all summer, you have plenty of time just to like actually feel like you live there. Cannot wait to be a, a UK stand up. They'll love my terrible British accent. Oh my God. It'd be so like, great. Cheerio mateys. <laughs> Y'all like that doctor who, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I actually love doctor who. My wife is all, I, I like doctor who. I'm not super into it, but I do, I do enjoy it. So I love doctor who and hate anyone who calls himself a whovian. Like I hate doctor who culture. If that it's makes the sense. Worst, isn't it? <laughs> I just, uh, one of my friends sort of has like a, a pretty big, like doctor who tumbler. And so like was having a party for like the 50th anniversary at, at school. So I went and just like, there were like six people who were just like huge doctor who fans who like based their personality on it. And it was just, I was cringing the entire time. I was just I'm making... the 29th doctor. Hmm. Exactly. <laughs> wibbly wobbly timey wimey. You don't understand time. It's wibbly and wobbly. I was like, Oh God, just shut the fuck up. We've I get all it. You seen like this it. show. You have to stop. You like base your personality on something else, please. At least something slightly less obnoxious. Yeah. But, but the uh, but so are you like? Is what is your book going to be about? Uh, it's a young adult novel. It's sort of a modern day retelling of Great Expectations, but with a female protagonist. That's incredible. Is that um, ironic? I had someone else on here, and her name was Marissa Schwartz. I assume no relation because you have a very popular last name, but she was also an author, so that's that's weird. That's exciting. The whole world exploded. But um, so is that part of where your uh, hilarious parody Twitter account, Young uh, uh, Dystopian YA, came from? Actually, it was sort of the opposite. I, I made Dystopian YA, and from my two, you know, Twitter accounts, I got an agent who was, you know, we were working on projects together, and sort of after a few rounds of critique and outlining, that's sort of where I ended up. So the book isn't based off the Twitter account, is it? No, the earliest uh, iteration of it was, but now it's not at all. Yeah, yeah, because um, you... um you kind of uh, mastermind the social media because your first one was the uh, guy in your MFA, which I oh, thought wow. was incredible because this is completely at random. I had, um, I think that's how I end up finding your personal Twitter because I read that Vulture article that you were in. Oh yeah, that was. And that then was... I was like, "That's fucking." Because I love girl, I love that show, girls. So like, Same. and then when they, when Vulture did it, I was going back. I was like. I didn't realize that it was you until like yesterday because I was like, "Holy shit!" I remember reading this when it came out. So it kind of threw me for a loop. I was actually very – it was really exciting. Wait, you didn't <laughs> know that I was Guy in Your MFA until yesterday? No, no. I mean I knew that I had – I found Guy in Your MFA. Yeah. And then that's how I found your personal account obviously. Ah. But like I, I read that article like whenever it came out 
and then I didn't realize that. And then when I was looking through your site, I think yesterday, I was like, oh, oh my god, I remember reading this. Like it just, you know, <laughs> you know how the internet is. You read like twenty five articles a day, and they don't stick with you. So I was like, oh shit, that's so weird. Yeah, that was an exciting text when someone's like, Dana, oh my gosh, you're on you're in Vulture, and I was I like, oh, Vulture. I've made it. That's all I need. I could die happy now. And then you're on BuzzFeed, which I also shamelessly go to like fifty times a day. Oh my god, way too much. It's embarrassing how often I use BuzzFeed. I want to make fun of them, but it's my fault. I go there. Oh, exactly. I mock them incessantly and then have 15 BuzzFeed tabs open at all times. And I got to take a quiz. What do you want? <laughs> but so how did the Vulture thing come to be? Because uh, the guy in your MFA account is, I mean, both your, all your, all your accounts are hilarious, but like that one's like huge. Like, they like didn't, huge. Vulture didn't like ask me or anything. They just, yeah, I always wonder about that. They just they can do that, right? Yeah, I was flattered. I was like, all right, great. Thanks for the publicity. They didn't like it. wasn't like an interview. No, no, yeah, but uh, they don't like email you like, by the way, you're going to be publicly whatever. They did not. I didn't even know until like a day or two later. How surprised were you? We were like, hey. I'm oh, super happy. This is amazing. Oh, yeah. Every time anything happens on the internet, I am ridiculously and deliriously excited about it. Is it hard to explain to like your family as measurable things? Yes. Uh, I went home and basically every one of my parents' friends came up to me. I was like, Dana, so I hear you have a very popular blog because I think that's how my parents have been explaining it to people. Yeah. These blogs are making all the money on the TV the day, these days. Yeah. I was like, oh, thank you. And they're like, how do we get to your blog? And I'm like, oh, well, you sort of don't. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have a blog. Uh, it's really difficult to explain. Also, my parents had a tough time grasping the concept of a parody Twitter. They were like, but who's the person? Do people know it's not a real person? <laughs> yeah, but it's an idea. That yeah, is... it's the esoteric concept of the guy who would be in an MFA program. If if if, if Hannah was a guy, that would be your Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, basically. Was that but easy I... to base off of, because, not of girls, because you went to Brown? And that's, I mean, I would only imagine the inspiration would just be pouring from there. Yeah, I mean, it is based on all the writer's workshops I've taken. But at the same time, it, it's funny to say, like, Hannah's the female version but in my mind, Gagnier MFA is like an inherently male archetype. It's like the guy who bases his masculinity off this certain school of writing. Like he thinks he's Hunter S. Thompson if he's ever done drugs or like. He God, writes... I can think of way too many people right now that I'm not going to name in case they hear this. It's not right. It's not like, fair <laughs> for girls. It's I feel like everyone to some degree puts on a personality like an outfit like you have a conception of yourself and you go out and you become that person because you want to seem cool or smart or whatever. But like, there's a very masculine intellectually tortured writer personality that I feel like people put on consciously or unconsciously. Oh, definitely in like dudes and writers that writer, like artistic dudes. Yeah. It's, nothing it's, stranger than like a very infeminately masculine male. I, you know, like exactly like Elijah like, from girls is like that perfect. I mean, I think they do that well because like, he's homosexual, but like you know, he, he's a tough kind of guy. But, oh, I, I'm actually thinking of someone very specific that I know and I don't want to say their name. Oh, don't you'll get in trouble. I that that's only happened once on here so far, but yeah, I will. 
Uh, oh, yeah. I did. I did subtweet someone the other day, which I just learned is a thing because I, I like alluded to something that happened in real life. And I got a direct message from him, like not 30 seconds later, just being like, Dana, period. Saw your tweet. Is everything OK? Are you mad at me? And I was like, oh, ha ha. Awkward. It was a joke. So I, as a male, I always had a hard time like dealing with those types of dudes because I'd never I just never knew how to handle someone like that. Like it was always I've always always I someone who always has to like kind of like so they weren't as strong in terms of like their strength, but they'd always have to intellectualize over out intellectualize you. And it yeah. was even when you weren't in class, even if sometimes you're at a party, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm reading this book. And then they're like, well, actually, and then they it's a novel and 5000 things you didn't know about some obscure stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's that's a pretty derivative work. I'm not that impressed that you're reading it. They have to diminish everything you do to, like, intellectually masturbate. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry. I just I'm I can't I don't read a ton of books, obviously, or else I could think of something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I'm reading To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm in 12th grade. What do you want from me? <laughs> it's what you <laughs> That's do. That's the thing. I hate – I probably do it more than anyone. I think everyone has a bit of the guy in your MFA in them, as any writer or anyone who, like, fancies themselves part of the literary world. But it all comes from a place of insecurity. Like, oh, yeah. It's like I want you to think that I have good taste in literature. I need you to think that I'm smart. It Like, any of that preening is is insecurity. And you see it with film, you see it with music, uh, co- comedy. I mean, really any art form, there's that. That's why I love your Twitter account. It's, re- it's the guy in your MFA, but it's related to – there's always that person in every subsect of culture. Like I feel like I, when I was younger, I found like punk rock and like ska and hardcore, and I was like, all right, I'm going to get away from the types of kids I hate in high school. And then they just pop up in a different form. Always. There's no escaping the – Never. Because everyone's insecure and everyone Except thinks us. they're – Except us, of course. Yeah, why and else ev- would we have pod- be on a podcast or have a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah, everyone thinks they're better than everyone else in a certain way. Like, they think their taste is better than everyone else's, just like how everyone thinks they're an above-average driver. Uh, so everyone's Not insecure. in this state. <laughs> <laughs> everyone thinks their taste is better, which is why everyone has a little bit of that intellectual yeah. asshole in them. And but yeah, Twitter account like it's 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 amazing because I feel like so I'm a I'm still like I, unless it's like Rob Delaney I'm always like how do people make use Twitter as like a tool and like I mean you you did it and then it did it very well obviously like did you always think you had like a good grasp on social media or did that thing just like take off you're like wow it did take off and I was really surprised and happy and impressed but I think it comes about. Um... Well, sorry. Uh, I think it comes about from like me having a, a really fundamental knowledge of other like sites and me spending way too much time on the internet. Like so, I was, able, yeah. I was able to promote it on Tumblr and Reddit. And oh, you read I, it too? Yeah, I do. Like way too much. So you kind of grew up with internet culture. Yeah. Well, also I'm a serial procrastinator, and I yeah, you're all of us. Um, no, I don't spend a lot of time studying or as much as I should. So I spent a lot of time on the Internet. I had didn't have that many Twitter followers, but I liked it. I liked being trying to be funny for people. So, uh, it, I mean, Guy in Your Mistake came about from, like, frustration and boredom as sort of like an experiment. Like, ah, this will be maybe a fun thing to try. Let's see if anything comes of it. <laughs> That's amazing. And you were at Brown, obviously. 
Yeah, it was the beginning of this year. Oh, jeez. And well, I mean, for all the Ivy League schools, I think Brown is probably the school what I would what stereotypically has the least of the ego because we know, have a different type of the one ego. that gets picked on for all the Ivy League schools. Ah, uh, no, nah, Corn. We're better than Cornell at least. Oh right? yeah. Well, I mean, come on. Oh, oh, we're not even counting them. It's not Ivy League, right? That's the. Oh my God. You know, I'm not even kidding. I forgot about them. I wasn't even thinking of them. <laughs> I swear to God. So, so Cornell is the Rhode Island of because uh, <laughs> everyone forgets about Rhode Island. So yeah, because yeah. I'll be honest, I was thinking Harvard, Yale, uh, Princeton, Brown, Princeton, and Stanford. Stanford's not Ivy. I know you're right, but why do I think it is? Because it's a really good school. Yeah, there's a lot of good schools. They're not all Ivy. No, uh, I think we're we're a different sort of pretentious. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. But we're, like the least, maybe... per, the least, well, the joke in Family Guy, which I don't really watch anymore, but when I, when I was younger, it was like the, the, what was it, the Harvard reject school. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like the, the guy's like, oh, my sad sister's retarded gay niece goes to Brown or something, right? It's like I couldn't write any really funny jokes, so I used defensive terms. <laughs> yeah, that's basically the Family Guy way. But let me also take this truck and back it in so you can put piles of money in there, so. <laughs> So it's like, all right, I get it. <laughs> See, but now I'm being the guy in your MFA, right? I'm looking down upon Family Guy. With Sorry? The, with, and, but now I just turned into the guy I was just talking about, the guy in your MFA. Oh, about, yeah. With comedy, with my snobbery of, like, how, like, if someone, like, starts talking very highly about Big Bang Theory, which I've actually never watched, but, like, I'll just, I feel like I'm on a pedestal, like, I'm too good for that, even though I never watched an episode. <laughs> See, for me, it's like, I hope, I try so hard to, like, be above that that snobbery and yet i have it deep down every time we have a conversation about like a, a like lowbrow tv show something like big bang theory my head is being like oh no it's it's fine as long as it makes people laugh it has mass appeal it's a fine show and yet deep down i'm like criticize it criticize it won't it be funny to like to show this person that i'm better than them it's like the, the temptation all the time to, to just like I tell so people that you're better than them like Jeff Dunham or something like any like popular comedian. I'm, like, I've never even heard Jeff Dunham, and I, I already I've never heard any of his jokes, and I bet I just want to be like, oh god. Me too, and I don't we... want to get caught up in like Nickelback is like the perfect essence of like I hate Nickelback. Why? I don't, I don't know. That's what the culture said to do. Yeah, exactly. It's like well, Nickelback is so much more successful. And they're better at making songs than I ever could. It's like I could try to write a song, and I bet it wouldn't be as good as theirs. Yeah, but. I'm told to hate them, so like it's your 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 parody account for people who understand parody Twitter accounts works on many levels. Oh, that's the best part. The best part is I get to make fun of things, and if I ever make mistakes, it's all part of the parody. So I'm <laughs> You're the clear. best part. I'm like above criticism. Like if I ever have typos or like grammatical errors, people like correct me. I just roll my eyes and type back like, "Oh, I'm this is just transcending grammatical imperialism or something." <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. Like, oh, you didn't recognize that, like, my mistaken punctuation was, was a meta-commentary on the way punctuation is used in, in modern colloquialism? <laughs> you actually type that to people. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. So is that, in a way, the, I mean, isn't, like, so, like, it's, uh, your parody account is a way to express that while making fun of it, but while still doing it. Oh, exactly. I get to air out my inner guy in your MFA because obviously every single thing I tweet is still something I've thought. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> like realistic, like 
whether it's something I would have thought I would have put out in the world under my own name, probably not. But it's still something where I was like, yeah, that's that's sometimes how I feel. Well, so then when does dystopian YA come out? Like, when's that Twitter parody account? Because you had success with one Twitter parody account and then you went for another one and that fucking shows up on BuzzFeed. Uh, yeah, that was that was fun. Um, I started that one about in February um, just because I was enjoying the parody Twitter. It was like a fun distraction, you know, and. I always joke, like, people are like, oh, how do you manage two Twitter accounts? I'm just like, oh, the extent to which I'll procrastinate doing schoolwork. It's just, <laughs> it wasn't a big time commitment, and it was just a fun outlet, um, because I had read Divergent and The Hunger Games, and I was just, like, trying to figure out what the appeal of these books is, and there's sort of a formula that's specifically designed to appeal to a certain age group. When you're going through a phase where you're insecure and maybe not fitting in at school or like you don't have a click or identity. There's always like the test that gives you an identity. So like, it's like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a Gryffindor. I'm a, I don't know. What is it in Divergent? Or I'm a, uh, Abignation or I'm a, uh, district 13 or like you have like a specific label and then yeah. you're chosen one. Like you didn't even know, but you were the most special person all along. Like, isn't that what everyone wants to hear? Yeah, so, that's true. So that's, that's kind of what I want to hear. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's the fun of the the Twitter account that I've had. And then, it, yeah, it just sort of took off. So you were a fan of those things as well? Yeah, it's a loving parody. I definitely, I grew up on those books, and I'm definitely still a fan. I mean, sometimes I have to roll my eyes, but I still enjoy them. I didn't like the Divergent movie. I did not see. I Actually, I so I read the Divergent first book. And I really, I didn't have desire to read the sequels, and I had no motivation to read to see the movie. Yeah, it's not very good. But because um, the first teen thing I ever really, or not teen, I found so so odd saying that. But like the Hunger Games, I usually am not really get swept up in that stuff. But I, uh, I actually really like those movies. Like I like those movies a lot. I, uh, were, I really liked Hunger Games. I thought they were done really well. Um, I liked honestly. I liked the the movie better better than the book. I thought the second one was a little too much of just like waiting for the next movie, but which is fine, whatever. But I I I have a very good time. I'll watch them again. I have a good time watching them. I think Jennifer Lawrence is super talented. Like I love everyone. I, I like generally really like those. I didn't like the most recent movie. Did you see it? Yeah, that's right. The one where it's like the part two. The part yeah, I did not. It this, was very much a part one, right? It's like, talk, talk, talk. It's getting excited. Come back in another year. Give us your money. Well, it was a very thin book, and I was just so angry that they took a thin book and made it into two movies. Like The Hobbits? It, yeah, which I didn't see, actually. No, I heard they were terrible. Yeah. I've actually, like you, have never seen... No, I did see Lord of the Rings. I think I did. I don't know. I saw the first one. I haven't seen the second or the third, I like but I know I would I like them. Yeah. I liked the first one. I just It seems like a big commitment to sit down for that many hours. Think of all the tweeting you could be doing. It's true. I could live tweet watching. watching. Uh, oh, man. You should do a like, uh, live tweet guy in your MFA making fun of Tolkien the whole time. Too meta. I, don't, too... I think my brain might explode. <laughs> yeah, and then you would have people who actually like Tolkien, like the Colbert type of person who just would destroy you. Oh, but see, that's the best thing about Guy in Your MFA. I can criticize anything because he hates right. everything. <laughs> oh, this token is so I, – I, I I don't even know how to make a good joke out of it, but that would be so fucking great. <laughs> yeah, I will – now you've inspired me to make a uh, a Tolkien joke. That's what we do here. We just like to be an incubator for more talented people to do 
creative <laughs> things. Uh, yeah, no, I I think the person who gets the biggest kick out of people like thinking I'm talented or special is my mom, who's like, just show them your room. Like, I am very much a 22-year-old teenager. <laughs> the What is it in the Judd Apatow movies? The woman child? Yeah, I'm, I'm a woman child. Which I can't wait to see Trainwreck. Oh my God! Yes, it speaks to me on a on a fundamentally profound level. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I, I I just can't wait. I can't wait at all. I uh, yeah, I'm just very excited. Oh, I cannot on on every level. I'm so excited. I it, love it, the premise, the, the actors, it, it speaks to me. Yeah, I love Amy Schumer uh, with Bill Hader. Uh, who else? Oh, uh, Vanessa Bear, isn't it? Yeah. Plus, that's like a message I need. I have not been in long-term relationships i need amy schumer to tell me how to live my life yes shooms i love that she makes fun of herself for being ugly like and i don't find her ugly at all but i just love how she does it all the time like one of her stand-up acts she's like i know what it's like being like the ugly girl with the friends it's just like drinking shot i I won't even do a stand-up but it's she's so funny about it like it's kind of nice to see someone like yeah i get it man I think it's it's a really, really smart take on the way women are, like, objectified in culture. Because she's not classically incredibly gorgeous by, like, Hollywood standards compared to an, a movie star. She is a pre- very, very pretty normal girl who's made up to look gorgeous. But I think that by sort of getting in front of it and being able to call herself out on where other people would be like, oh, she's fat, she's ugly... She's able to turn the mirror back and be making fun of the ways that people objectify and diminish women by their appearances. Oh, I, I think it's like the whole twelve angry men thing was like, am I hot enough to be on TV? Yeah, exactly. It was it was brilliant. And I think most people, especially men, would even agree to this though. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. Like, personality overweighs everything. So like, so I think this is how I'm trying to word this right. I think Amy Schumer is really cute. But then she has an amazing personality, and that what's that's what makes her hot. Yeah, I I would agree. I think she's like a really she's not a she doesn't look like a movie star. She looks like a really pretty like normal girl. I know. Yeah, and that's why just, I love her. She's like a pretty girl, and that's it. And then she's amazing and brilliant. Yeah, and then, and then she makes fun of it because she's because with comedy it was always men men were allowed to be ugly and then there's that whole fucking stupid thing that women aren't funny which i it makes me angry well that's the thing no one ever is like he's an a normal looking guy no one ever like Kyle Kinane is a is a really normal looking guy he's like, just your average looking white dude Pete Holmes is like a chubby guy dude like Pete Holmes no, is kind of he's weird looking I think he's attractive, but he's still like a chubby, nor like yeah, normal dude. Conan O'Brien, ugly guy. I beg to differ. I that because of his sparkling personality. Maybe. Uh, I, I don't think he's ugly, but that's what his his whole thing is. Uh, comedy was for where ugly people were supposed to go. <laughs> I don't think he's ugly, but I do think that no one even talks about whether men are are too ugly for TV because no one cares. Up. It would never, never. Like, that's never come up once in an executive meeting. Like, no one's ever, like, Larry David's too old. He looks too old for mm-hmm. TV. Like, he's gross. But if a woman was that old, it would be like, oh, my God, call the witch hunters. Well, I mean, Amy Schumer, again, the last fuckable day skit is just, Oh, it was like, amazing. It, but it was things I never even knew. Like, because, like, 
it's very easy to be a male in culture and just not be aware of these things until it's pointed out to you. And guess what? Frequently, it's not pointed out to you. <laughs> I had to have a conversation with my dad the other day sort of about the way like I faced a little bit like sexism already in the way I've been approaching comedy. Like when I was at Conan, I was there for three months and there was not a single sketch with a female part in them or a woman. Wow. Wow. And like, that's something that representationally you, you I know. have to notice. And like, but it's so, and I, and not defending it, but it, and, and that's Conan. He's not a misogynist. He's a not good at guy. all. And, and that's the hard part is when it's the good people just aren't aware of it. Exactly. And it wasn't, it's not like it was even, it's not like his fault. It's just like, that's the way representation is today where when you're telling a joke, you say a guy walked into a bar. You never are like, Oh, a woman walked into a bar yep. unless the woman is part of the joke. Because when it comes to comedy, you want to get to the punchline as quick as possible. So it's like, I would never say like a redheaded guy walked into a bar unless the joke was about a redheaded guy. Just yeah. like you would never say like a woman walked into a bar unless the joke was about her being a woman. No, absolutely. Like there's, um, a great, old show called the larry sanders show and when one of the writers fail who's like pretty he's a dick but he's always they're like why do you always go for a asian woman he's like killed two birds with one stone minority <laughs> and woman and that oh, always God. stood out to me like i was like yeah that's such good commentary right like yeah oh, man uh what was your experience at conan like because i mean I, I i've said this on here more than once that so much of my like love of comedy or and like I, even, I would even go apart say some personality aspects but like is derived from conan o'brien like he's one of my favorite people in the world grew up obsessed with the simpsons i'm of that age when i became like really into the simpsons is the conan o'brien years yeah and then also, i followed him to late night and all that conan stuff. wrote the best episode he wrote the, the monorail episode classic yeah i actually read some recent article about how that was like he this is why i love him because he based that off he's like he quotes some like movie from the thirties and then it comes through his mind and it's monorail. Yeah. You're like, yeah. what? <laughs> it's so great. With the late, great Troy, Troy Hartman with the, the and, and the songs and, and like, I don't think I ever really understood. I loved musicals that much until I was like, Oh, the Simpsons introduced me to theater and musicals in a way. Like, I mean, they do like their streetcar named desire episode before I knew what that was. Oh my God, their homages are so sophisticated. Like, I just need to go back now that I have like a functioning adult brain and rewatch some Simpsons. One of the best experiences of getting older, of, of college, was uh, going back and watching The Simpsons and all the literary references I never understood. Like, <laughs> I have to do that. Yeah, I, I won't lie. It's one of the most, it's like, that's why people should go to college so you could really understand The Simpsons. And, and you still won't because it's so layered. You have to watch it. Like, there's an episode, I don't even remember the episode very well, but, uh, Maggie's in preschool, and uh, there's a scene of the outside, and there's a bunch of birds, and it was like a reference to uh, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. And then, <laughs> like, a guy walks by, and it's a cartoon version of Alfred Hitchcock, which I didn't learn this until after I took a film class that Alfred Hitchcock was in all of his movies. And those little quick things, I was like, wow. That's amazing. You know, there's actually this brilliant play called Mr. Burns, a post electric play about like, a group of survivors in like, a post apocalyptic world uh traveling as a troop reenacting the cape fear episode of the simpsons where can i see this 
it's like a small dark comedy that like I premiered. They're doing it at Brown next year, and I'm so excited. And they were doing it in Chicago over spring break. It's just like a pretty small play. If if you're ever around and you and it's playing somewhere, see it. I'm gonna write that down and keep that in my like back of my yeah. Oh my god. What what is the Cape Fear episode? Because I'm uh, that is a uh, sideshow Bob the the rake the classic yep. sideshow Bob mm-hmm. rake episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you got to meet, obviously, you got to meet Conan. I did. He was a lovely, lovely, hardworking, hilarious. Did you see his documentary? Game. I didn't. I saw it. Well, I did after after I worked there. I should have watched it before. No, maybe research. you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, I think he's just a brilliant human being. Tortured soul. Yeah, just hardworking and and just, I don't. I'm so impressed by him. I like cannot say enough gushing, amazing things. I met him once when I was fresh out of high school. We went to do a, I went to a taping of uh, Late Night with Conan when it was in New York. Yeah. And uh, they did he he um I ended up being on the air because they did like the skit in front of me so I got to be on TV, <laughs> which was really so cool. cool. I was like 17. Yeah, I was like 17, 18. But <laughs> so like they're doing the warm up, you know, he the warm up guy comes out and then Conan comes out and then Conan's like, where's everyone from? Anyone from Connecticut? Which is where I grew up. And I was like, yeah, Connecticut. So he's maybe about three feet away from me. And he's like, easy there. I had a Batman t- uh, shirt on, like a T-shirt. There's the Batman logo because I'm cool. <laughs> and um, he's like, easy there, Batman. And I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. And then the, uh-huh. rest, the next 15 minutes of his warm-up act, he just picked me and made fun of me the entire time. At one point, he made me get up and spin around for everyone. He just spent 15 solid minutes making fun of me. That's amazing. I That's died. a life experience everyone needs to have. I died. I died. It was amazing because like I, 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 I know I don't know him, but I feel like I do because I've listened and I've heard his voice so much. I've read um, the unauthorized oral history of The Simpsons. I've listened to every podcast that he comes on. Uh, yeah, I heard him on The Nerdist right before I started working there. That was like my research. Yeah. I and uh, the best thing about being the in, an intern was we got to go to all of his rehearsals, you know, because they need the interns to like laugh at the jokes or not laugh as as need may be. Uh, but so I got like a very intimate picture of him, like in his workout clothes or you know leather jacket, just like playing guitar and hanging out and making fun of Andy. Oh, I love Andy Richter. Yeah, he was so nice. Andy was the nicest to all the interns. Oh, really? Yeah, he was super nice. He said hi to everyone always and, like, talked about his kids at camp. Aw. Yeah. Did you get to meet Jimmy Pardo? I did not. Oh, yeah, I did meet Jimmy. I did. The warm-up guy? Yeah, he's crazy. His podcast is hilarious. He has a podcast? Never Not Funny. Um, Oh, my gosh. The episode with Conan O'Brien to this day is still the funniest podcast I've heard in my entire life. It's maybe a few years old, but my brother and I... Uh, he's older, but we quote comedy stuff to each other all the time. We quote ep- the conversation from that podcast because okay. the energy is so high. Uh, you ha- I, you have to find it. It's I it, need to do that now. I mean, like, be careful where you are because I mean, like, I will. I I still listen to it, like, because I love podcasts. It's very disposable, but that episode I go back to all the time and just laugh and laugh and laugh. Oh my god, so, I can't wait now. It's so quick. Conan and him are just so funny together. Like, he just keeps joking about buying them a steak dinner, and I don't know why. It's just, like, the funniest thing ever. Conan's just, like, a brilliant human being. Have I guessed enough about him? No, ki- no please. I, mean, I, like, I don't know if it's that podcast, but, like, well, and sometimes I, like, steal stuff he says and I use. He's like, 
One time he said either on the podcast or somewhere I've heard him talk that he'll say he said to someone just off the cuff was like, I'm judging you. I'm I, I was like, I'm judging you. I am going to take out a white. I'm wearing a white wig and I'm ju- I don't know. I can't even remember what he said. But he's like, I have a rope. Like he just started going off in this whole tirade about how he's wearing a robe and a white wig judging like someone. And the person was like crying. They like, couldn't help himself from laughing. <laughs> like the best Conan skits were when he would go out into the, the, the world. Like, Conan oh, plays old-timey baseball or sells his car or goes to, like, Lucas Ranch. It's just... Oh, I love when, uh, did you see Conan is a Civil War reenactor? Oh, my God. Just... <laughs> yes. He's just great. Yeah, no, it was a, interning there was a marvelous experience. What guests did you get to see? Like, yeah, like, I did not, like, like, talk to guests. I saw them from afar. Yeah, you're an intern, right? That's, like, the thing. Yeah, I was a research intern, which means I was stalking all the guests. Like, I was the one who had to, like, go through their Twitter and Instagram and come up with interesting questions. Do you follow them afterwards and hope they recognize you? They would never recognize me. That's fair. Yeah. And you realize, I always used to think, like, it's not because people are mean. It's just, like, everyone's so actually awkward and busy and no one cares. Yeah, although, uh, so on the lot, Pretty Little Liars, you know that TV show on, like, CW? I know of it, yeah. They film next door, and all those girls were always, like, smoking and looking very skinny and very pretty and very mean right next door. I don't like them. One of them was filming a movie up here, like, a couple years ago, but I don't know. That's not interesting, because Conan's more important. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, they were very scary. So what do you, what were you doing? So part of your pre-med work must have come in if you're a research intern like because you always worked in labs and done research now you're just finding pop culture nuggets yeah i mean i think it it was the the lab obviously no one's ever going to ask me about you know neural crest cells on zebrafish anymore but where i they better not yeah although i could i could definitely tell you if you if you want to do a podcast on the the alpha toxin of staphylococcus i could i could help you out if you wanted uh, to talk the whole episode that'd be fine and i could just <laughs> walk away because i don't know what you're talking about but that'd be great yeah no so like i don't think that is going to come up but the skills of like being in a new environment and having to work with really really smart people and having to learn sort of a new language because every lab i worked with was a new language because they're working on something so specialized that like, it's not like I learned about it in class before. So I needed to sort of pick it up really quick. Uh, protocol is very important. So I think like the, even though the information may not translate, like the basic skills really yeah. work at any workplace. Well, and Conan's a Harvard guy. What is his, like, is he a literature? I think so. Major? Probably. Do you, not... you know, his college roommate is Greg Daniels. No way. Greg Daniels of, uh, yeah. The office, parks yeah, and rec, yeah. television, basically. That's crazy. Yeah, I think who else is his roommate? But yeah, there's so many good. He, I, oh my god, was it? Is it weird to meet him? Like, because there's always that saying that you should never meet your heroes. But I feel like Conan's the one hero. I think everyone should be able to meet. Yeah, no, it was. It made definitely. It was my like. He was always walking through the halls and was really nice to interns. And, like we always said hi and stuff. And on my last day, uh, like I saw him in the hall. And I was just like, oh, Mr. O'Brien, I just wanted to, like, thank you so much for, like, this opportunity. This was, like, a really great summer. And he's like, oh, yeah, no problem. What's, like, where are you from? Where do you go to school? Like, do you want to take a selfie? And I was like, yes, because I would never ask him because he's my boss. But he's like, let's take a selfie. And I was like, so much. Like, he knew. Were you there the same time the Pete Holmes show was going on? I was right as it was finishing, so I got a free T-shirt because I had to get rid of them all. Yeah, I never saw it because I don't have cable. 
I watched all of this YouTube. I never watched the show when it was on, was but it I watched. Good? I love his monologues. I watch them obsessively. Yeah, I love You Made It Weird. Like, I love his podcast. This is where I have to announce my embarrassingly huge crush on Pete Holmes. Oh, wow. I might join you on that one. No, yeah. That's, yeah. He's got a girlfriend. I was actually listening to him earlier today. He's got a girlfriend now. You missed your chance. Oh, no. Well, who knows? He could get divorced again. Yeah. <laughs> Has he talked about that before? <laughs> yeah, a few times, huh? <laughs> it's so fun to meet someone who listens. Because podcasting is this very weird vacuum where you just listen and you have no one to talk about it with. Yeah. Well, I have watched all of his monologues on, on TV, and he gets very personal. Even on TV? Good for him. Yeah. Oh, his monologues were great. I watched – I recommend just, like, go down the YouTube hole of Pete Holmes' monologues. You know, I want to go see him do stand-up. I don't know why I never have. He, You know, he came to – like URI recently, and then I didn't go because it was like a college show, so it wasn't going to be the true Pete Holmes stand-up I wanted to see. Yeah. Which, again, guy in your MFA huh. status. You need the true Pete Holmes experience. Yeah, well, that's only because I've heard him talk about it on his show, that like if you play a college, you kind of adjust. And, and I also didn't want to drive to fucking North Kingston and like be around a bunch of 18-year-olds. Yeah, it, college kids are the worst. Except you. <laughs> Except me. Well, you don't live on campus, so you're you 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 kind of past that spot it's, too, right? It's true. Also, two weeks to go, and I'm I'm in the clear. Are I never moving, have to learn a thing again. Are you moving out of Providence? Yeah, I'll be going back Good. to Chicago for the immediate future, and then LA traveling, and then New York probably. I mean, Chicago's not a bad place to get your uh, comedy feet wet either. It's true. Uh, I think, think it's actually what PD did, right? Chicago. I think so, actually, yeah. Everyone does Chicago first, and then they do New York, L.A. I think that that's probably what I'll have to do then. Yeah. We'll call this podcast advisory time. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's very helpful. I am going to stay in you know Chicago for as long as need be. Yeah, yeah. As long as you don't have to pay for – live as long as you can for paying as little as possible. Is exactly. Important. And, um, um, wow. So, and you also write for Mental Floss. I do. I like freelance. That, uh, okay. I've had a couple of writers on, but everyone I've ever met is with the internet sites. It does seem to be like it's freelance, right? Like they don't hire anyone outright. Very few people get hired outright and the rest they do freelance. That I seems to be they, the model. Yeah. I don't think they hire a lot of full time. I mean, even if they did, I'm a, I was a college student, so I would not be their target yeah. demographic for full time worker because I work. I mean, I live in Providence and go to school. Uh, but it was really nice to to write things for them, and I, I hopefully still will as I travel and need you know money for my international flight. Well, that's freelance for you, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Well, that's the best thing. I can do it from anywhere, so I can travel and still make a little bit of money. What's that website? I wish I could remember it, but there's like a website you sign up for where it's like people pay if someone needs something edited or written, they pay you. Oh God, I can't remember the name of the site. Uh, I don't, but that sounds like I would be really good at it. I'll find it, and I'll send it to you. <laughs> For sure. Because someone I told like... me about it on here. I was like, oh, that's cool. I looked into it. I was like, I can't do any of this. Why am I on here? But actually, I, a... I was thinking, I was like, there's a lot of stuff I need done that I'll pay people for to do. So that was I'm what... a gun for hire. Yeah. And then that's, you know, well, I'll put a plug in the front, too, so maybe get you some more. I don't know. Oh, if, please. If tell them. Tell people I'm very employable. Very employable. Charming and employable. Charming. That's 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 the resume on there. I did, <laughs> see, I did see charming and um, employable. And then uh, the one thing I really was interested in, well, not one thing, one of the many things I found interesting on your site was the Grange. I was wondering if you would love to talk about that. I would. I It's still in the early process, but we locked down a camp where we're, we're having it. And uh, me, along with a friend from school who is – 
who has, uh, she graduated, but she's been working for nonprofits. So she's being very, very helpful on the, the business side of it. We're putting together a nonprofit organization to uh, build a writer's residency program for young women writers. Wow. My, I worked for nonprofits up until recently. My wife works uh, development for nonprofits. Oh yeah. So oh yeah, I don't have any good answers for you, but if you have, she 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 knows a lot more than I do. If you ever guys have run into stuff, let me know. Thank um, you so much. Yeah, so, at this stage, we're just doing like getting our logo together, getting some sponsors. Wow. We're building a Kickstarter campaign. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's something that would be like a a dream of mine to make a reality, and I think like I'm past. I'm passionate about young women writers, and so I figure if I'm going to put my energy towards something, why not do do something that really excites me? You're so accomplished for 22 in college. I feel like when I was like 22 in college, I wasn't where you are at. Uh, you should see my room. Yeah, well, <laughs> mine's not much better, probably. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I'm still single, so I'm I'm you know woefully not you know unsuccessful by all womenly standards right that's the only oh, thing that matters okay. yeah so you don't have it all i don't i don't have a, a child and loving husband so well, you are I'm i like how you said still single but you're also 22 and i view that as like a good thing like it's okay to be single at 22 like that's okay that's that's actually pretty great <laughs> no no i'm just i'm totally just messing with you oh yeah no i know i thought that was pretty great it's the most important thing in a young woman's life Oh, my mother-in-law is um, her mom. So my mother-in-law is not is wonderful, ultra-liberal feminist. I fucking I, she's wonderful. I love her. But her mother, I think, was where it came from, was more impressed with her when she got married than when she got graduated college. Yeah, I feel like that that is something that maybe some elderly relatives will feel about me. I don't know those relatives, but anyone who thinks that way, fuck you. <laughs> Uh, it's not important. I am married. It's great, but it's only important if you actually love who you're with and just being married means absolutely nothing. Thank it's, you. This it, is such a great, hopeful podcast. I came on here as a guest and life advice, I'm, right? I'm learning yeah. so much. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't understand people like that. Like I get married. I'm like, that doesn't matter. Right. Being happy yeah. is all that matters. Yeah. I like, I'm so much more concerned about doing cool things. Yeah. I, like, be married i would rather like be the type of person i'd want to be married to if that makes sense no absolutely i mean let's if we're gonna base our favorite relationships off tv characters leslie no ben wyatt oh my god oh absolutely like come on like is that not the ultimate like thing like you just want to make a team and make the team bigger and better hashtag relationship goals wow i hate myself yeah no that was your guy in the mfa tweet it's cool yeah No, like that's. I think that's what it's all about. Like just finding that. Like, oh, I, and I fucking love Parks and Rec. I love Parks and Rec. Did you um? What did you think of the last episode? Did you cry? I could have. I might have. Maybe I did. I, I'm not a crier. So I much. came close. I didn't cry, but I could have cried. The the first one when I, with with Donna, I was like, oh my god, this is it. This is it. This They're is coming. It. Tears are coming. And then when uh. <laughs> Oh. God, I'm going to sell my wife out right now. Uh, I, she's not home, but she has quoted Parks and Rec twice in two big events, once in our wedding vows and, oh. <laughs> and once in a, a job interview that she got recently. That's amazing. I sw- her, last, I, her last lines of our wedding vows um, were, I love you and I like I you. I like you. Yeah. I was like, 
would you not marry someone who quotes TV? I'm like, yeah, winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then, I would I'd marry her too. That sounds great. And what's the other one? The I, She believes in hard work that's worth doing or something. I don't know, but I thought the first one was more important. But like, I mean, <laughs> Leslie Nope and Ann Perkins. Oh, my God. Uh, the, it's, a, it's a great show. Just Greg the Daniels, dynamic. come on. <laughs> He's the he, – him and uh, Mike Schur. Yeah, it's a, it's a great, well-done show on multiple levels. I'm going to go ahead and say it's perfect. Yeah. No, yeah, not season I not... one, but you know I like season one better now that I watch it again. Well, remember when Brandana quits was on the show? Mark, I yeah. Yes, I like, do. what happened to him? He just left. The guy, the actor quit. Yeah. Or, I don't know, and then he never gets referenced again. And early on in the show, they didn't really land on who Leslie Nope would be. They sort of made her like a Michael, um, Scott. Michael Scott. Yeah. And, but then when they found who she was, like the Leslie, the heart of the Leslie Nope, that's when the show got great. Yeah, and they openly talk about how they made it in a va- She was pregnant, so they had to make them. It was some weird thing where they made it in a vacuum where they had to make them all in one shot. Really? Yeah, huh. I think like the first six episodes they made really close together, and then they all aired. And then they retooled because – yeah, because Leslie was, I think, so I, I read a lot about these things because I just, I love TV. Yeah, <laughs> I read please. Vulture and all that. But, like, uh, I think one thing I heard Michael Schur say in an interview is once they found that, because um, Leslie was almost villainous in a way. Yeah, and she was, like, so, uh, she like. She wasn't goofy. Awkward. She was, like, awkward with with men and, like, uncomfortable in, like, an uncomfortable way. Yeah, and then once Jerry became the bad guy in the sense where, like, they could blame Leslie could be the goofy one and Jerry's the one they can blame for everything. They found everything. Yeah. It it didn't like the office style cringe humor didn't really work when it was no. aimed at Leslie. And what's much more of a positive show. It's positive about people. It's positive about government and it's, it's beautiful. I actually, the only show I think has gotten better. One of the few shows that's gotten better with age, like the last season of parks is the one I go back to the most. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. I think it it only gets better as the characters come into themselves and become stronger and more like confident in their own voice. Uh, and then Jerry lives to a hundred. <laughs> he deserved it with his beautiful wife. And you don't know who becomes president or something, someone, someone who needs circuit service. It was so good. Oh, it was just so good. It's not fair. Yeah. It was not fair at all. Oh man. Oh, but we were talking about the Grange because I was actually very interested in that. I thought that was incredible. Uh, yeah, where, where is it going to be? It's going to be at a camp called Lake of the Woods in Decatur, Michigan. Okay. Uh, it's a it's just a it's a sleepaway camp, but obviously they have all the facilities for like cabins and food preparation and human beings for maintenance there post camp season. So it's going to be yeah uh, the end of August, beginning of September, twenty sixteen. You guys have a good name, but I just want to give you another idea of what you can call it. Okay. Pawnee Rangers. Throw it out there. <laughs> I like it. I mean, that's great. Just, I know you guys have put a lot of hard work into it, but why not throw it all away? It's <laughs> and, true. And Parks and Rec. I need to explain, though, the reason we went with Grange was twofold. We, I wanted it to be a, um, like a, a literary reference to like a, you know, a feminist piece of literature. So uh, Thrushcross Grange is the, the name of the place where uh, Wuthering Heights take place. I don't know if you've read that. But, uh, yeah, Thrush Cross Grange. And then also, we're all big Harry Potter fans, so we wanted to secretly call ourselves Grangers, like Hermione Granger. I mean, isn't that the essence of feminism right there? Exactly. I was like, we hit all the marks. That's and, why like, we're going Leslie Nopeism with, like, 
you know, intellect and then silliness. Exactly. I was like, it needs to be, you know, intellectually snooty with the Bronte reference and then a subtle Harry Potter tip of the hat. Yeah, from the from just this conversation today, I feel like that's name is very much you. <laughs> perfect. I think that's perfect. I think that's really great. That's such a and that's to encourage more women writers in the entertainment industry. In literature and in in anything. Yeah. I, think, I was actually I had to have this talk with my brother. I don't think people kind of understand still the challenges that women face. I mean, when I was I was explaining the the new idea to my brother and he was like, "Well, when all words are written, it does it matter who they come from?" Well, yeah. And I was like, that's in theory a great thing. But when a, a woman is a writer, there's an expectation that her work is going to be less, quote unquote, like literary. Oh, you mean Fifty Shades of Grey? Oh, yeah, of course. You know, like less literary or just a commercial piece or a romance book or it's autobiographical. People have trouble accepting a, that a woman would write like a non-autobiographical literary work. Huh. And and there's there's always, you know, there are exceptions. People are like, oh, what about Margaret Atwood? But the fact that she's like the exception and not the basis for the conversation, the fact that like female writers like J.K. Rowling feel the need to abbreviate their names so that they're gender ambiguous, and the fact that female writers still are asked questions in interviews like, uh, like, who is this work based on? Like, do you think it's a love story? Like, silly, silly questions just show that they're sort of, challenges that men just don't recognize and women don't haven't complained about wow i didn't know any of that um wow yeah so i mean and the really only way to change people's minds is by knocking uh blowing up the doors like knocking them down and just bomb rushing it like and doing things what you guys are doing that's incredible and i mean i i so i'm of the school where i wish it could have could be a co-ed organization where everyone like, you know, could regardless of gender, could just show up and write great things and support each other. But the fact of the matter is there is a benefit of having an all-woman community of women who are mentors, who've experienced, you know, sexism and challenges, who can then teach the younger generation, who can empower each other, and have female protagonists who are the default and not the woman walked into a bar weird-sounding joke. Like, write a book about a female character that men want to read. Yeah, because I mean, think true. about it. Like, if you ask ask like ten men on the street, like, what was the last book you read with like a female main character? What are they going to say? Like, To Kill a Mockingbird? When? And you read mm. that freshman year of high school? Like, what's the last book you chose that had a female main character? Huh. Sorry, I'm I'm not. I don't mean to put you on the spot. I'm no, no, no. Please, I think it's awesome. Oh God, I don't know. I can't even answer that. I also I, don't read a ton of books. Yeah. But, but I, the I ones also... I do have been about men, and yeah, and you know, I, I you know I like to call myself one of the good ones, and that wasn't intentional. But that's that's the thing; it's way too easy to do without trying. But you are you are one of the good ones. Like I don't blame you. I just think like people gravitate towards like you'll read the back of a book, you'll like see a male author, you'll read the back of the book. It's like subconscious in a way. To be fair, the last books I read were uh, a biography about the author of, of creator of Calvin and Hobbes, and then. Uh, one about interviews with today's top comedy writers. <laughs> okay, well you're you're in the clear then. Those both sound awesome. <laughs> but um, that's the th worst part about I think sexism and, and racism too is they're so subconsciously ingrained in culture yeah. that it's it's insidious. You can't just pass a law to change it because no, even the people who think like, oh, I'm not racist, I'm not sexist. There's certain like 
built in, you know, responses that we can't always control that just gra- affect our behavior. No, yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. And then I think in the core of it, there's probably um, not that there's more male authors. There's more male authors that are published. Oh, oh, yeah. I think we we have a a statistic that like, you know, 75 of the New York Times bestseller list is is men. And and any like like literature class, you're going to read probably three to one men off male authors versus female authors. And then a lot and especially with like a comedy, like. Anytime a woman or or with literature, I'm not saying comedy because that's more of like what I know. Uh, when a woman does become like the like Amy Schumer right now, they also have to be the funniest, most brilliant per- like Tina Fey, yeah. funny, brilliant. I mean, they have to be exceptional. But like, there's a lot of mediocre women comics who won't get a TV show, while a lot of mediocre um, men will get a billion TV shows that shouldn't have one. So like, and it, it sucks. It's like you guys like Amy Poehler. Of course, Amy Poehler is amazing, but she's, you know, she's fucking brilliant. Like she has to she's she had to go so much far beyond expectation to get to where she is. Like a woman has to work her ass off to be the token woman in a writer's room. Yeah, um, I didn't I, I watched maybe one season of the newsroom. It was pretty bad, which sucked because I really love the West Wing. But uh I guess there's that whole story about the rape, about their about uh, the college rape on college campuses, and apparently there was like one woman in the writers' room, and they kicked her out during it. Awkward. Yeah. I didn't. I don't watch the. It's, the it, it, it's not worth watching. It wasn't very good. It could have been good. It just wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I've been just talking to a lot of other writers and sort of hearing people like assure me they're like, Oh, it's changing for women out there. But then I, then I hear, the I'm like, and it's not, and I'm like, well, are there any women in your writer's room? And he's like, Oh no, it's, it's all boys, but it's changing out there. Don't worry. And then oh, like, no, we, we hired a half black guy. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, you know, on college campus, even there's like, you know, an, an improv show that's like all dudes. And it's like, I don't do improv, but isn't there one girl on, all of Brown's campus who, you know, you would invite to do improv with you. Like it just is like such a bro club. Yeah, improv has turned a little bro Yeah. And it, I don't know. It's just, it's a weird challenge. And I don't mean to like become the complaining feminist, but that's the goal of something like the Grange. Just like create this network of people just to support and help each other create good things. Well, yeah, absolutely, because a lot of the stuff is just, even if it's not on purpose, it's systemic and it's institutionalized of, like, men, you hire friends, and if it's been men in a writer's room for 50 years, it takes a long time, so you need to lay down the basis of the institution, and, like, you know what I mean? It's, so it's it takes a long time. Like, that's why you need things like this. I think that's a wonderful, absolutely. wonderful thing, and uh, that's amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. This was uh, such a joy. Oh, wow. That was like an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, I didn't notice that until just now. I hope you didn't have to be anywhere. Or Not do at anything. all. This was, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Um, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Dana Schwartz, Dana Schwartz with three Zs. And then uh, my website is danaschwartz.com.com. And I thought I was being clever when I did that, and I realized what a bitch it would is to explain Orally, it's like d o t c o m dot com. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I, 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 that's my punishment for being like a 
clever asshole is now then I have to explain it to everyone four times. But now I'll remember. Um, DanaShorts.com.com. Yeah. Please, please come back on. Like, this is way too much fun. Like, um, yeah, no, please come on like a hundred times. Like, guest host, guest a thousand times, whatever you need. And like, whenever you have cool stuff coming up, you need promoting, just let me know. I'll, like, make an audio clip. Let me know. I'll put anything in whatever you need. Like, just come back on like all the time. Oh my God! Whenever you'll have me, we need to to nerd out more about comedy and TV. I know. I, I thought talk... that's what's gonna happen, but you never know. What, I... that, that's what's cool. It's like an hour and a half where you don't look at your phone and just whatever happens happens. I talked way too much about myself. I'm so sorry. No, that's actually what you're supposed to do. No, I'm not nearly interesting enough to merit this much talking. Next time, promise me we'll we'll talk sure. about other people's cool things. Well, I'm not interesting enough to have a podcast, but yeah, people listen, so I guess you're good. Great. Well, thank you again. If you need anything, no, no, yeah, yeah, please, no, like any anyone you, if you want to come on with like a friend, I, I'm honestly always looking for content, um, and like in Skype. So like, it doesn't matter that we live in the same city right now. Like, it doesn't matter where you are <laughs> in the world. Like, let's. I'm always, always, always looking for content. And actually, I'll be quite honest. I totally unintentionally was like looking through my guest list, and I was like, huh, it's a lot of white dudes on here. It wasn't well, on good. purpose, and I was like, fuck. I found Gotta... I became the person I didn't want to be after criticizing everything, and um, so I was, well. At first, it was also because like when I started the show, I was like I didn't know how to do Skype, so I was only asking my friends on, and I yeah. didn't want to ask like strangers to come to my house. And then, but <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah, it's like hey, we don't know each other. Come to my house and record a podcast. <laughs> but and in then my I was rape like, dungeon. Yeah, but she that that why I shouldn't call it that because that's not its intention. <laughs> that <laughs> was like, a. That's what we in the comedy biz call a callback. <laughs> yeah, we actually need to talk about comedy sometime. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. And make sure you tell Paul Giamatti that uh, Chris Revel says hello and blow his mind. Okay, great. That will be fun. Yeah, and, and come back for sure. Okay, great. Thanks again. Bye. One.